1: from Exodus chapter 11 verses 1 to 10. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be. But not a dog shall grow against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes this a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all this your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Pharaoh did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: So, if you want to join us, you can look in the book of Exodus where we just read. And you can also look in your worship folder. There is an outline you can follow along because we're going to fill in some points and some blanks in just a few moments. And I encourage you to follow along with that. If you don't have one of those and you want, feel free to stand, and there's some right there in the aisle. On the table as you walk toward the back. Tonight we're talking about the power of God, and we're continuing our worship series as we go through the book of Exodus, which is an exciting book, and uh, it has a lot of wonderful stories within it. And I want us to remind, to remind ourselves that a lot of times we read stories and they're about fictitious people. But as we look to the Word of God and we see these stories, it's, it's good for us to be reminded that there's, there are real people that we're reading about. There are real people that had real emotions just like you and I. I know earlier today there was a lot to do. You ever have those days where you just feel like everything that can go wrong kind of goes wrong? I mean, not, not to the great extent, but just it seems like you're in a, a, a sitcom and, and, and somebody's writing in all the things that could, that, could, that could drive you crazy? That seemed to happen to me today, and I, I know it's because God was trying to distract me. Because tonight, he wants us to understand the power of God. And I know that I need the power of God in my life more than I even understand at this moment at 40 years old and life experience of midlife, I guess. And I I realize how much I need God. But it's even greater than what I even understand now. As I look out here and I see your beautiful faces, I know that I'm not alone in this. That there are things in your life that you need the power of God to show up in a big way and it's challenging for you a lot of times to realize that he's going to do that. Yeah, yeah, God may do that for other people and that's great but I don't really know if he's really interested in my situation, my illness, my issues at work, my relational issues, my loss of a loved one, the death of a dream. I, I, at this point in my life I thought I would be here and I'm not there. God's not interested in that. Yes, he is. God is interested in you and he's interested in your situation. He knows exactly where you are and he wants to help you take that next step forward. And that's what this entire series is about, is the book of Exodus, is the people of God in Israel. They're in slavery, been there 430 years, and that's all they had known. Everybody that had been there when it was prosperous and they weren't slaves at that point, they were dead and gone by many years. This was all they knew. And then, Tonight, we're seeing an exciting story of them finally getting a taste of freedom. But we are also see them come out of that slavery, and that freedom is even difficult for them. Amen? You're like, man, life used to be terrible, and I thought it would be better because I'm finally free from whatever. But it still stinks. Maybe I should go back. And so there are three things I want us to be reminded of tonight, To help us when we feel stuck, because a lot of times in life we feel stuck. We talked about that a few weeks ago, and we have a choice: we can either do it my way or God's way, and that's a really uh, a difficult choice to make a lot of times. And then finding that way forward tonight is through the power of God. In what we just heard read in Exodus chapter eleven, we saw where it said Pharaoh hardened, excuse me, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and you may think that sounds not like something a good God would do. Why would a good God harden Pharaoh's heart? One thing to understand here is that this is the tenth and final plague that God had sent on Egypt, and it was going to be the death of the firstborn of all Egyptians, the firstborn male, which was the heir to everything in that family. And this was the tenth one. So Pharaoh had had nine previous opportunities where what he had done was harden his own heart. Time after time, he hardened his own heart. And finally, what God did here is he gave him over to the hardness of his heart. It's not that God was just invictively, I'm choosing you. But time after time, he chose to go his own way instead of doing it God's way. And finally, God gave him over to himself. That's what happens is Moses is told, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh this. And he goes and he tells Pharaoh this and it doesn't go well. Chapter 12, just to give you a brief synopsis because we're covering four chapters tonight and so I'm going to give you the quick story. Jesus, or God tells Moses to select a lamb, have every family select a lamb, sacrifice it, and when you sacrifice it, take some blood from that lamb and mark the door of your house with it because uh, I want you to be ready because I'm about to move in a big way. And so... I want you to even, after you mark the doors, I want you to dress in a way that you're ready to leave. So don't get comfortable. Don't put your stretchy pants on, you know, so you can get a big big belly while you eat, right? you do it Thanksgiving, put your stretchy pants on. Guys, we got those too. You know, we got those too. And so, uh, jogging pants, we, you know, he's saying, I want you to be ready to go because it's about to get real. And so he, I want you to go and uh, eat the animal. This blood over the doorframe is going to save you. Later in the chapter... What we see happen was God's word came true. We see that all the Egyptian firstborn males died. And the wailing and the cries of the parents filled Egypt. Pharaoh tells Moses this finally was more than Pharaoh could handle. He calls Moses in. He says, Look, get your people and get out of here. This is all I can stand. Pharaoh's kingship, if you will, was going to pass to this firstborn male, and that dream literally died. Oddly enough, he he asked Moses, after all of this battle back and forth, he says, but before you go, give me a blessing when you leave. So they leave Egypt quickly. They're led by God as they... Exodus, that's the exit. Egypt, they're led by God through a pillar of cloud by day, which turns into a pillar of fire by night. He guides them. And then sometime passes, and Pharaoh and his servants realize, what have we done? We just let 600,000 grown men slaves, plus their wives and kids, so probably about 2 million people, we just let them leave. They're our workforce. That was dumb. We have to go back and get them. So they pursue them. They they go after them and chase them. And we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 30. I want to read this part because it's pivotal to tonight's message. So he chases after them. It says, Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, so the crowd of Israel moved, uh, the, the host moved, and he went behind them. So the one that was leading them went behind them because what was happening is Egypt was pursuing Israel and the the, the pillar of cloud of God soon turned into a pillar of dust as they saw the chariots and the army of Pharaoh coming after them. And so the the messenger moved to the back and a pillar cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it it formed a barricade between the Egyptians and and the Israelites, and coming between them, uh, between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. I paraphrased that for you because you needed to hear it twice, I guess. I don't know. It was actually in the next line. I could have kept reading, huh? And so there was a cloud and darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Okay, so this cloud held off the crowd. They had the Red Sea on one side, which they couldn't pass through, and they had Egypt behind them. Uh, Let us free from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. All of the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. All of them died. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw what? The great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and they also believed in his servant, Moses. I've been through a lot of trials in life and I'm sure you have too. I certainly don't want to minimize any of them. But it's hard to imagine for me, in my situation, a trial bigger than what the Israelites were in in that moment. They were meeting certain death either by the sea, which they couldn't pass, or by Pharaoh's army. But then God showed up in a very powerful way and expressed himself as God. And then he did the miraculous he split the waters and they walked through. A very powerful display. So the number one on our list of things to remember tonight in your sermon notes is to remember the power of God. When you're going through tough issues in your life and situations that you need help, remember the power of God. It's interesting. God gave Moses very specific instructions if you read through chapter 11. And those instructions were not just for the leaders or the important people, but they were for every person. God gave every person a role, a responsibility. And so it's good to realize that our Labels as the world would like to label us and categorize us don't matter when it comes to God. God uses all people and, and he uh, it says the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord makes them all. The same God for you is the same God for me. And God's power is not limited by our situations. Sometimes we think, yeah, well, God needs God's power in these big things, but in these little things I need to do by my own power. Really? If if that's the way you think God works, that he's only interested in the big, then you're misunderstanding who God is. God has designed us to walk with him in a relationship and to, to, to depend upon him for everything, not just the big things. Depending on myself, that's very American. That's not biblical. That's not what God is saying. God is saying, live in dependency upon me as my child. So God spoke to Israel. This is important too. While they were still slaves in Egypt, while they were the outcasts, he spoke to them and he said, uh, gave wonderful instructions to them. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, this is a scripture where Jesus was talking and he, he says, you're mistaken, you're mistaken because you don't know the scriptures or, and he separates it here, or the power of God. And so there's something very tangible about you and I knowing the power of God in our lives. God had a plan for Israel. It was more than just freeing them from slavery. He wanted to do more, and trusting God's power is a practice in remembering, listen, God always sees the bigger picture. It's not just about getting us out of Egypt and to the promised land, but God is doing something much bigger than that. When we feel stuck, God wants to get us more than just unstuck. He has other things working through that. The bigger picture leads us to see Israel was in no man's land, if you will. They were stuck between the enemy of Egypt and uh, the sea. And actually the sea is referred to as a, a lot of evil in, uh, in that time. The, the sea was dark and it was mysterious and it was, it was a sense of evil. You know, the, uh, where Jesus cast the, uh, the pigs into the sea, remember that part? That was, uh, that was a moment where he was sending them into, uh, like, like a demonic, sending them into the sea to where, um, this isn't in my notes and i am lost my train of thought. <laughs> he sent them into the sea. The sea was an unknown, dark place, is what my point is. And so they were in between Israel I mean Egypt and that, right? And so what happened was God moved in a miraculous way and parted the waters. Well, the same thing is true for me. You and I are stuck. We all have a birth certificate, or can find one somewhere, hopefully. But we have a birth certificate that has a starting point of when we were born, or a birth day. But we don't know when the day is that we will expire, that we will die. We don't know when that is going to be. And so there is a reckoning, if you will, that one day this is going to stop, and there's going to be an account where we're going to stand before God. What Jesus did was realize that we were standing between our sin and death. And what Jesus did was he died for us, but he didn't do something miraculous like part the waters like he did for the Israelites. What he did was Jesus entered into the waters of death, that he died for us. And then what he did, instead of splitting the waters for us to walk through, is he by the power of God the Father, split the separation between sin and death and eternal life. There's a chasm. There's a gulf. And he split that, and three days later, Jesus walked out of the tomb. He entered into the darkness of the sea, and he exited victorious on Sunday morning. A miraculous feat, greater than God establishing his dominance over a sea. That's a miraculous event that you and I have to deal with, that we are like Israel in this. God wants to do more than just save us and, and give us eternal life, which is ultimately, yes, what he's doing, but he's even doing more than that. Interestingly enough, in Exodus chapter 11, verse 3, if you remember, it, it said, I want you to ask the Egyptians for jewelry. Remember that part? Did you see that? I want you to go and I want you to ask them for jewelry. And it, it may not have made sense to them at the time, but the Israelites were to go and ask for jewelry since they were slaves. It made no sense for them to go and ask. But God had plans to do more than just free them from slavery. What he was wanting to do was make them whole again. He wanted to, to reestablish them. And the jewelry is part of God's plan for them to worship Him later. He was using it, they were going to use it to fashion the Ark of the Covenant, actually. Look with me in Exodus chapter 12. This is later in the story. God told them early on, I want you to ask for this. In Exodus 12:35, it says, the people of Israel also, uh, this is right before they leave town, Pharaoh says, get your people out of here. Well, they did what God said. People of Israel also had done as Moses told them, and they asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and so they let them have what they asked for. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. So think about this. The Israelites, for 430 years, 430 years, they worked to make Egypt rich. They went to the Egyptians as slaves and said, will you give us jewelry treasure and they received them upon request it makes me think of proverbs 13 where it says the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous what does that mean for us well for them i believe god was giving them reparations for their time of slavery he was paying them back and helping them get on the right track instead of just saying well i'm sorry see ya. There were reparations for that. Payback. And the application for us too in in this is that God wants to do more than just free us from slavery to sin. He wants to give us reparations. He wants to pay back what sin has stolen from us. He wants to give us more. He wants to make us whole again. He wants to make us complete again, and he reserves the right to use the riches of the world for his good purposes. In Romans 8, we see that we in Christ are more than conquerors. God's plan is not just to free us, but it's to make us whole and complete again. Remember the power of God. The second one is this, remember whose you are. Who do you belong to? Remember whose you are. So once God leads us forward and we face the danger of forgetting God because our drama's over, so now we're free and we're out of Egypt. We're out of our slavery to sin. We have a victorious over whatever situation we're going through and now we're in danger of forgetting God again. And when we do that, what we're going to find out is that we're going to do the cycle of we're going to get stuck again. It's just going to be in a different hole. And so when they left Egypt, Israel found themselves, you know, this is kind of hard. We should go back. And it's odd, or not odd, but it's, uh, it seems absurd, but I think we can identify with it. It seems absurd that it was their cries to God that touched his heart for him to take them out, and now they are complaining and wanting to go back into slavery. They're fantasizing about it as if it was actually better and and, and a good thing. So look with me in fourteen, uh, chapter 14, verses 10. So when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. I get that, right? I would be afraid as well. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Like Was there not enough places for us to be buried in Egypt so you're bringing us out here to die? Is is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? This is, I told you so. I told you this was going to happen. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. I don't sense a lot of gratitude in their voices right here. But in fairness... They are scared to death. I know when fear grips my heart, my thoughts can be very unhealthy. I know that when I'm fearful, I can snap at people. I can be angry. I know that I can doubt God. Listen, I've cursed God before. I've blamed Him for my struggles. God, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't even be in this mess. I was trying to do the right thing. And look at this, but once God leads us forward, even out of the danger that we're in, we're in danger of falling back because we forget what God has done for us, and it's easy to go backwards because that's what we're used to. It's easy for us to step back to the old self because it's comfortable. It's hard living the life where you're pursuing Christ and trying to be godly. Parents, it's difficult raising your kids the right way. It's difficult telling them over and over again what is right and what is wrong. It's hard work. And sometimes it's easy just to say, you know what, forget this. I'm going to have a glass of wine. Do whatever you want to do. But God wants us to go further. God wants us to pursue godliness in our lives and, and to go after him. And it's difficult to go forward in life following God sometimes because we don't know all the details. We have a lot of trust issues with God And that's because we usually have a lot of trust issues with people. People have let us down and we start projecting those things over to God and now we don't trust Him. But what we need to remember is that it's God who we can trust who will never let us down and we are to keep our focus on Him being our Deliverer. Even when we forget God's faithfulness, it's good for us to remember that He has been faithful in the past. We remember through events in life. And what God chose for them, he said, in this, I want you to do this Passover meal every, every year. Remember that part? He said, I want you guys to do this every year. He said this, do this every year because you need to remember this great miracle that I did for you. And so I want you to remember this Passover. And so as Christians, what we do is, is we remember every week what God has done for us when we take communion, which is what we'll do here in just a few moments. We remember what God has done for us. We, we break the bread and we remind ourselves of the power of God at the table that is before us. We drink the cup and we are reminded that we are bought by the blood of the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God that is on wood, the wood of a cross. Instead of putting it on our doorpost now, the Lamb of God's blood was put out on a wooden Cross. And when the angel of death comes over our lives, the blood of Jesus now cries out for us He's with me. She's with me. And the angel of death is rendered powerless. Jesus in Egypt. Before Jesus, in Egypt, it was the firstborn that died. It was the tenth plague. The firstborn male died. But Jesus is the firstborn who died, not as a plague or as a threat, but he died to redeem us. Unlike the firstborn in Egypt who died because of the sins of their fathers, Jesus, the firstborn, laid down his life for your sins and for mine. That's what's drastically different about the gospel. Even when we are struggling to remember the faithfulness of God, all we have to do is look to the table and say, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I know God loves me. I know that he cares for me. And I know that his blood is crying out for me today. That is a very practical reminder for us today of whose we are. Who do we belong to? Remember who you belong to. Number three. Number one is remember the power of God. Number two is remember whose you are. And the third one is remember He, which is God, is greater. Remember that He is greater. This should go without saying, but God is greater than any enemy you may ever face. He's greater than any issue. There will always be Egyptians in your life, if you will. There's always going to be something that's going to raise fear within you, something that's going to try to hold you captive. The question is, what are you doing to remind yourself that God is greater? One of the things I gave to the uh, parents is this little small plaque, and it is a, a stone that says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And as I was picking one of these out, I actually bought one for me to, as well to put up somewhere because it meant so much to me because I realized so many times I'm putting my hope in somebody else instead of the Lord. And I find myself getting disappointed because they don't always hold you know, true to what I want them to do. And some of that's unhealthy on my part, right? To have other people hoping for them to do something that I want them to do. And so it's really good for me to remind myself that my hope is in to be in the Lord. And when I feel drained and burdened and, and, and just ready to quit, I need to hope in the Lord. And He's going to renew my strength. He will give me the strength to go through this. And so, what is it in your life that reminds you that God is greater than the issues you're going through? How are you reminding yourself? Is it scripture verses around your house? Is it a plaque? Is it something? But find something, journal something, write it down, put it somewhere so that when you feel that you're ready to give up, that you can look to that and be reminded, no, 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 I remember God is faithful. I have a Bible that is on my shelf at home, and I don't look at it often, but when I do see it, it's really, a really powerful reminder of God's faithfulness. I was going through a really rough time when we lived upstate, and a really dark time, and uh, I remember I was pastoring a small church and I had this small little New Testament paperback. And I had it in my hand and I was really angry uh, about some things that were, were unfair. And uh, I was blaming God for it because that's, I don't know, our tendency or mine anyway. And I was so angry, I actually walked into the church and I cursed God, I won't say what I said, and I took the Bible and I threw it down and I busted I busted it like right here and lightning did not strike me it should have but you know why I keep that Bible? because just a few moments later I realized what I had done And God overwhelmed my heart with grace and mercy. Because in that moment, it was very blasphemous and very arrogant of me to position myself in a, a, a place where I have power over God or feel like I have power over God. But God wasn't threatened by my display of anger he was moved to compassion and I wept and apologized to God and it, and it reminded me that I'm a human <laughs> sometimes as pastors I think we wrongly put it on ourselves that we have to have it all together and, and we have to be perfect and, and that's a trap that we can easily fall into but it reminded me that even in my struggles God loves me and even when I fall short, Jesus never will fall short. He is greater than what I fall through. And, and, and my salvation and my, my calling from God is not dependent on, on me living up to a perfect standard. My calling is based upon God calling me. My, my, my salvation is based upon Jesus saving me and the work that he has done. And so it's very easy to forget how great God is and to put um, these things on him that are not true. It's very easy, if we don't have these Ebenezer's or these little reminders, these, these rocks that become stones, we take them out of the river and we, we put, them up, uh, put them up somewhere to remind us, Rem- you remember this day because God was faithful, you remember that and you look at it often and you remember it. If we don't have those things, then it's easy for us to start pining and, and to start wanting to go back to the way it was, the old way, and we want to settle for an inferior, temporary, so-called life as a slave. When God wants to give us freedom and he wants to give us reparations, he wants to make us whole and complete in life. We do this when we lack faith and we say, God, this is too hard and we desire to go back to the old life of sin and slavery. One day you're going to feel like quitting and you need something practical that you can turn your eyes to or turn your ears to that will remind you that God is greater and that it is not time for you to quit. So what are some next steps that we can do? How do we move forward? Well, the first thing I would recommend for all of us is to examine our hearts. Are there places in our lives where we're like Pharaoh, where God is getting our attention, getting our attention, and we're like, okay, I get it, I get it, and then there's a reprieve like the first nine plagues and it kind of settles down and you're like you know what I think I'm okay I don't really need God anymore and then we start doing things our own way and we kind of harden our heart, heart towards God are there ways that we're hard towards Him that He's getting our attention and we keep turning our back on Him because eventually there was the last plague and you may think well that was just really cruel what God did but he had given all those opportunities, all those moments of grace and mercy, of trying to get their attention a certain way. And God doesn't owe us any of those opportunities. I want to make that very clear. God doesn't owe you anything. God is far above. He is holy. He is magnificent. He has never sinned. He is holy, exalted, high above. And he owes us nothing. We have sinned against him. There's nothing good of value that we can bring to him that would make him think, whoa, this is amazing, I've never seen this before, I'm so impressed right now. He owes us nothing, but he wants to give us everything. He is a God who demands worship and deserves it, but he is a God who uses all of his power and he wields it at the communion table to give his life for us and redeem us and draw his children back because he loves us. Where is your heart hard Look at your history. Where has God been faithful? Look at your habits. Are there good habits you're cultivating in life? Remember what God has brought you out of. My final thought is this. At Passover, there was the blood of the lamb. And that lamb that he described, it said it should have no broken bones. It's in Exodus 12. This blood of the lamb was to rescue Israel's firstborn from death. This is so directly connected to Jesus. Because Jesus is God's firstborn, who laid down his life and gave his blood as the Lamb of God. And it says in Psalm 34, 20, and in the New Testament, John nineteen thirty-six. It says, this Lamb of God had no bones broken. And he did this to rescue all of us from our sin and death, which is our Egypt. So the question for us is, how do we cross through our Red Sea? How do we get to from death to life? How is the blood of Jesus applied to us? It says in First, first John, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, righteous, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the way for us to cross through is to say, if I don't know Jesus, then I'm going to confess my sin today and I'm going to turn my life over to Him. And the way to cross over, if we already know Jesus as Lord, is to remember that the power of God has already worked greater in your life than He did for the Israelites. We look at this and be like, whoa, I wish I could have seen that. And I wish I could have seen it, actually, to see the seas part. That would be fantastic. But God's done something more epic than this for us. He has died He was buried for three days, and he came back to life, never to die again. The resurrection is the power of God working in your life right now, and he has done the impossible by taking you from death to life. And if he has done the impossible by doing that, how much more does this God want to help you in your situation and your issues right now? How much more powerful is he than your problems? The power of God is going to get you unstuck and it will move you forward. And it may not be the path that you would have chosen, but if you had God's perspective and you could see everything that he could, you would understand the path that you're on right now is the path that he is using and the path that he is choosing. And the path that you're on right now is the way God wants to take you through those waters to the waters of life and victory and abundance and reparations. Remember, because of Jesus... God is not on the other side, but through Jesus, God actually is with you. Amen? That is the power of God. Will you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you so much for the reminder today that you are a powerful God who can outwit, strengthen whatever obstacles we have in our lives. God, you can move them miraculously, and you can take your time and move in a slow pace that will develop character within us and will do things that we will never fully understand until that one day when we see you in full. So Lord, I pray that for those here today who are stuck, help them to move forward in their next step of faith. I pray that you would uh, cause us in our times of doubt and our times of, of, of struggle. I pray that we would be reminded quickly to look look to you and to find our hope in you, realizing that you will renew our strength. In Jesus' name, amen.